that um, you fell in love with this book and the truths of this book as it is so relevant for our lives. I'll begin reading in verse 1 of the book of Habakkuk. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Just just stop there for a moment. What he's saying is, God, Israel's a mess. And I've been praying, and I don't see any answers. I'm asking you to change things, God, but nothing changes. Why don't you do something about this? How long am I going to keep crying and nothing happens? Sin is everywhere. The law is worthless. There is no justice. And um, his heart is bleeding before God. God, why are things like this? I'm sure you've been in similar situations in your life. God, I've been asking about this matter for years and nothing seems to change. Or, God, this is not right. Why don't you do something about it? And, and so he comes with a heavy heart. He comes with a complaint to God. <clears throat> but turn to chapter 3 and verse 17. <clears throat> this is how... He ends, this is coming full circle, he says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on high hills. So, from the initial beginning of this book, where in essence he sees himself as a victim, as one that's receiving all this injustice and living in the midst of it and not seeing God work, to then, at the end of the book, 
he comes across as an incredible victor. He says, God, I've made up my mind. <clears throat> though there's no fruit on the trees, though all our labor for the crops fails and there are no crops, though all our animals die, there's no sheep, there's no cattle, they're, they're all dead. <clears throat> he said, I've made up my mind. I am going to rejoice in you, Lord. I'm going to rejoice that you are the God of my salvation. You are my strength. You are the one that in the midst of all of this, you make me to run and be strong. I don't know about you, but those last three verses of this book are, to me, like, wow, that, that's where I want my faith to be. I want my faith to be very similar, I think, of Job. Though all the crops are gone, though all the livestock are gone, and Job's Job's cases, all my children are gone, yet will I rejoice in you? <clears throat> so how did he go from somewhat like a victim to a victor? We, we live in a very victim mentality society, and God wants us to be victors. I mean... It's a, it's a sad condition to be in, to be going through life just on the receiving end as a victim. So, we want to look this morning at how to go from being a victim to a victor. If you've been reading the book this week and studying it, you know he came and said, God, why aren't you judging and bringing judgment on the evil that's going on in our nation? And God said, okay, I will. And you could just imagine Habakkuk's ears perk up. Oh, yeah. You're going to elect a godly man king and you're going to do this. And God said, I will. I'm going to bring the most evil empire you can think of, and they are going to conquer Israel, and they're going to wipe it out. And that's when Habakkuk says, oh man, why did I even ask for this? I mean, it in his mind, it went from bad to worse. And, and he said, God, how can you do that? They're worse than we are. Have you ever said that? God, why are they prospering? They don't care about you. They're wicked in all their ways. And they seem to be prospering. And God said, I'm raising up the Babylonians to come. You want me to do something? Okay. And he brought the Babylonians to bring judgment on the nation Israel. And 
God then did say, now, just a minute, Habakkuk, I will eventually judge the Babylonians too. But it was a conundrum in Habakkuk's mind. Wait a minute. I want to see you work, God, but this isn't what I had in mind. Have you ever been there in your life? God, I I do really want to see you work, but this does not seem like it is you working. I, I don't get this, Lord, at all. And so through the book, and you've been studying it this week, and you'll talk about it tonight in your studies, you see some of the process that he went through. But I just want to highlight um, five things that I believe can help us to go from victim to victor. Number one, be honest with God. You know, sometimes in our Christian life, we, we have the Christian life where we know all the right things to say, but then we have our real life and what's going on in our heart and mind, and the two never intersect. And, you know, we joke, um, kids growing up in church are taught early, the answer to every question is read your Bible, pray, witness, and, and Jesus, you know. If you answer those, you'll probably answer most questions right in church. But the reality is, many times we have the right answers, but honestly, we are really struggling in life. God... <clears throat> I wanted to honor you in my marriage and we're really struggling here. Or God, I, I don't understand. It seems like my work situation just goes from bad to worse to worse to worse to what's going on here. Or whatever the illustration. But sometimes all we do in our prayer life is just the generic, Lord bless me, Lord bless my family, Lord bless the church. And it's almost like we need to protect God from reality. Listen, God knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows what's going on in your heart and life. And He invites us to come and cast all our care upon Him. And Habakkuk did. He said, God, how long am I going to cry out to you and nothing happens? I mean, he was very real and honest with God. More or less, real and honest with himself. God, I am struggling here. See, There's nothing wrong with admitting that we're struggling. The Christian life is a battle. It's a struggle. 
Church is not a trophy case that we show up in and say, look at me, I've I've got everything in order. It is more like an emergency room that we come to and I I need an IV, I need strengthened, it's to build us up to go out and represent Him. But it begins with us being honest with God. And I'm not, I'm not going to tarry long with this, but <clears throat> God already knows what's on our heart. We're not, we're not going to enlighten Him or we're not going to shock Him by saying, you were thinking this? He wants us to come to Him. Secondly, listen to God. Notice in chapter 2, after he had made his second appeal at the end of chapter 1, chapter 2 and verse 1, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Notice he made one appeal. God came and said, I'm, I'm bringing judgment. I'm bringing the Babylonians. That isn't what he wanted to hear. He made another appeal. And then he said, I'm going, I'm going to stay here and see what he will say to me. And he knew and see how he corrects me. You know, he had a good attitude there knowing I'm the one probably wrong in this. But he said, I am going to wait and see what God says. That's another reason we're doing the extended time of prayer this coming weekend for men. We need to wait and see what God says. It's a time for us to pour our heart out to God. We bring our concerns and make our worry list and and we pour it out to God and then we give him time to speak to us and God speaks to us through his word you will never go from victim to victor if you neglect the word of God and when I say neglect I don't mean just read a, a little portion every day or a brief devotional. To listen to God means you bend your ear often to the Word of God and you meditate in the Word of God and you say, I want to hear what you have to speak to me, Lord. To listen, to wait. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 13, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We we think God is like the drive-up window. We go up, make our request, go to the next window, it's delivered to us, and on we go. God doesn't work that way. 
God waits to see how much we really want Him. God's never in a hurry. And, and in understanding, um, it is waiting on God. It's desiring to listen to God. And you may not always hear what you want. But God's Word is true, and He never makes a mistake. And the real test comes when He tells us what we don't want to hear, but we still submit to it. Thirdly, don't put God in a box. Let God be God. When God said, I'm going to use the Babylonians... It was like, God, you can't do that. You are a, and he says in here, you are a holy God. You cannot look on evil. Why would you use the Babylonians to accomplish your purposes? And what he said is true. God is a holy God. He can't look on evil. But do you understand? God can do whatever he wants. Because He is God. There have been times I have prayed for things and said, God, you can't let this happen because you hate this sin. And I'm trying to put God in a box that He has to do what I think He ought to do. God loves getting out of our boxes because our boxes are way too small for God. We think we know what God needs to do. Most of us here are praying for other people, family members, and we go and we tell God what He needs to do. This is what you need to do. God sees it from a way bigger perspective than we do. And He's not limited by our mind or our resources or our imagination. And in Romans chapter 9, He says, we don't have time, but Romans 9.20, He says, who are you to reply against God? Can Can the clay say to the potter, What are you doing? Can you imagine an artist, a potter, molding the clay, and all of a sudden the clay says, Ow! Oh, that hurts! What are you doing with me? And it jumps off the potter's wheel onto the floor and said, I'm not putting up with that. That's what we do, isn't it? God puts us in a tight squeeze. Why are you doing this, Lord? I thought I was obeying you. I wanted to obey your will. Why are you doing this, Lord? And we limit God that He must work a certain way. Number four, rest in God's character, nature, and promises. It is hard to have faith In God, if you don't know God. 
And I don't mean just, of course, it encompasses if you're not a child of God. But if you don't know the character of God, if you don't know the nature of God, if you don't have, as we sang, every promise in God's Word is true, if you don't have that foundation to stand on, you're not going to have a faith that survives the storms of life. Look at, look at chapter 1 and verse 12. Notice what he says. Are you not everlasting? So he says, God, I know you are eternal. O Lord my God and my Holy One, I know you are holy, that you never do anything wrong. You are personal. You are my God. You are faithful. And he goes on and, and goes into this. And he says, I know that you are all-powerful. And through this book, and we don't have the time this morning, but you've studied it this week. Through this book, you are seeing Habakkuk comes back to the nature of God, to the character of God. And, and you notice in chapter 3 and verse 16, when he saw the nature of God, when I heard my body trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. When he saw what God said he was going to do, it shook him to the very core because he knew the nature of God and he knew the character of God and he knew that God was to be feared and God was very, very personal in his life. And this is the nature of God. And, and as we realize that and as we understand that, it is what gives us the basis of our foundation, of our faith. There are only two options in life facing us. Number one, either I take God at His Word and I live by it. Or number two, I don't live by God's Word and I live by my own rules. My own determinations. My own choosing. Faith as he said in chapter 2 and verse 4, the just shall live by faith. Faith means that I take God at His Word and I act upon it. Because this is God's Word. This is what He said. It means I am resting my whole life. I am resting my outlook. I am resting my behavior on this is what God says, and it means that I will trust God. And because of that, Habakkuk was able to say the last three verses that we read, no matter what the circumstances are in life, I will rejoice in God because I see things from His perspective. When we were... In Europe last month, we visited a town, Bad Reichenhall. It's in the far southern part of Germany, near Austria. And, and 
that day it was heavily overcast. It was damp and cold. And um, they have there in this town the oldest cable car in the world. And this is what it looked like from where we were. And we thought, I don't know, it's so cloudy. All we'll see is clouds. But the cable car takes you up 3,700 feet. And someone had said, oh, even if it's cloudy, it's worth taking. So we thought, okay, we will. So we got in the cable car, oldest cable car in the world, you know, and that's a little bit by faith. But we go up there, and as we got near to where this stopped, everything changed. From that to this, we were above the clouds. I mean, we stepped out, and, and it was 360 degrees all the way around. Um, and, and it was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was sunny. It was warm. We, we sat in a little restaurant up there, and soaked in the sun and viewed the sights around and it was night and day difference. We had to shed our coats. Why? All because of a different perspective. We get in the cable car, come back down, we go through the clouds, we come back down and all we see is clouds, it's cold, it's dreary. You understand, as a believer, by faith, we understand that the sun's shining, the mountains are visible, everything's all right in my Father's house. And I'm seeing things right now, and the clouds, the ceiling of the clouds come lower and lower many days in our life, but by faith. In God, in His nature, in His promises, I know the best is yet to come. And I know that everything is alright. Not because um, the election coming up. Not because of what we're changing in the circumstance. Not because of any of those things. But from God's perspective, everything's alright. And so... Habakkuk was able to say, you know what? It's cloudy here. It's dark. It's dismal. There's injustice. But rather than focus on that and rather than wring my hands with that, I am going to rejoice in God my Savior. If famine comes, I'm going to rejoice in God. If I lose all my savings, I'm going to rejoice in God. If I don't have enough to feed the cows and have to eat them, I'm going to rejoice that I can eat them. He says, no matter what happens, that's what he's saying there. Why? Because he got God's perspective. 
And lastly, I want to say, we must pursue God's perspective and plan. Obedience is faith in action. And, and Habakkuk came to pursue God's plan. He said in, in chapter 3, verse 2, Oh God, will you not revive your work? It wasn't he was looking for answers for himself. He rejoiced because he believed in God. Not that God was going to do what he had him in his box to do. He rejoiced in God. Do we really, really believe thy kingdom come, thy will be done? Or are we wanting to convince God to build our kingdom and to do our will? It's pursuing God's kingdom. It's, it's like saying, God, this circumstance that's come into my life, how's all this fit into your program? How do you want me to respond to that? How does it fit in here? We spend too much time worrying about our kingdom, about our economy, about our nation, and not about God's plan and perspective. You can't have God's perspective unless you are a child of God. Because you're dead spiritually, you're blind spiritually, you can't see. So there must be where we're born spiritually, where we call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And he says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that is the initial uh, life-giving. Jesus Christ gives life. But once we've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we need to continually be pursuing His perspective and His plan Put off and put on. Put off my plan and put on his plan. I, a hero of the faith to me was Brother Lester Roloff. And often I would hear him on the radio years and years ago sing. He wasn't the greatest singer, but um, he got the message across and he sang it in genuineness. But he would often sing this song, I care not today what the morrow may bring, if sunshine or shadow or rain. The Lord I know rules o'er everything, and all of my worries are vain. I'm living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love, from all harm safe in His sheltering arms. I'm living by faith and I feel no alarm. Though tempests may blow and storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The Master looks on at the strife. I know that He'll safely carry me through no matter what evils come. Why should I then care though the tempest may blow if Jesus walks close by my side? Our Lord will return for His loved ones someday. Our troubles will then all be o'er. The Master so gently leads us away beyond to that blessed heavenly shore. I'm living by faith 
in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in His character, in His nature, in His promises. I'm living by faith and I feel no alarm. The only way you go from victor to victor, from victim to victor, is through walking by faith. It's being real with God. It's waiting on God and listening to Him. It's letting God be the master to do whatever He wants. It's continually growing in your knowledge of Him in the character and nature and, and promises of God, pursuing His perspective. And then we will be able to say with Habakkuk, I will rejoice in the Lord, no matter what the circumstances are, I will rejoice in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would find in us individuals that are truly trusting you and allowing you to be the master of our lives. Lord, I pray if there's an individual here today that has never trusted you for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today would be the day that they call upon you to forgive their sins and save their soul. And Lord, I pray for every believer here. It's so easy for us to get our eyes on this world and what's going on and our joy is gone But Lord, I pray that we would have the faith of Habakkuk. And Lord, that we would be able to rest in the promises and the character of You. And regardless of what comes, that we would rejoice in You. So Lord, Our desire is that you would help us today to even see from your perspective. And I pray that you would glorify your name through our lives, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.